Bosch worked with us because they said, look, we know that our customers need help when they're online shopping for our products. We know that they're complex purchases and what we want to do is help them get to the right product for them. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spanning Zero. September 2023 Spamming Zero sponsor is Tapcart, tapcart.com. Listen to some of the brands that are using them today to make their mobile experience even better and to increase their revenue and potential with their customers. Princess Polly, True Classic Tees, Pier One, Fashion Nova, White Fox, Chubbies, Fanjoy, the list goes on and on. So many great customers. We all spend so much time on our mobile devices. So it's no question that you need to be thinking about a mobile-first environment and digital experience, and Tapcart can provide that for you. Take a look at them, tapcart.com. Right now, they have a two-week trial that you can try out for free. And on top of that, they are backed by Shopify and many others, so you won't have to worry about that integration point. One of my favorite things about them on their website, on their homepage, if you go to their case studies, they have this little section called Tailored for Your Mobile App for Your Industry. It's beautiful is they don't just look at e-commerce as a whole. They look at the specific niche industries because let's be honest, if you're in beauty and cosmetics, you need a specific app for that. What's up, everybody? James Gilbert, your host here for Spamming Zero, back again for another week of fun. We are joined this week by Lamise Butt. Don't mess up her name, all right? She's had enough bullying with it in her life. We don't need more of it. She is the SVP of Global Alliances and Channels at Zuvu. Has 10 plus years of experience in digital transformation across brands like Salesforce, big B2B company. If you aren't familiar with them, you should be. Mercedes-Benz UK and now Zuvu. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, James. Lamise, I have a, I always ask every listener that comes on the show, at least I'm trying to ask these questions a little bit more, try to be a little bit different. Tell us about a brand that you would get a tattoo of and tell us why you would. God, it's such a good question. I, so I have no tattoos first and foremost and have always wanted one. So you've now got me thinking like deeply about what I would actually want recently I've actually found a new love in my 30s for basketball. And that's because I've been out to the US a lot and managed to get myself on the Miami Heat court for the after the second quarter game. Don't know how I managed that. But I now enjoy playing basketball. And so I would probably, I mean, it's just a staple, the Nike tick. It's nice and simple. You could just, it's kind of, you would have it somewhere. And, you know, I also just love the just do it tagline too. And like that, that resembles me as well. Just, just do it. So yeah, probably the Nike, Nike logo. I like it. And I like the fact you're a basketball fan because I'm a huge basketball fan as huge, well. Yeah. yeah. But and I, and I feel like I'm still an amateur though. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning the, I'm learning the ropes, but the Heats game was my first ever basketball game. And at my first game to end up on the court was just like, you've got to now love this sport. It was, it was hard to not. Well, so you're, you're located in the UK, right? Yes. So, I mean, yeah, you, you love football and not American football. You love the football, right? 
I am rug- a Manchester rugby United. Really yeah. Rugby's really big over there too, from what I understand. It is. It is. I would definitely say I'm not a huge rugby fan. My partner would would I mean he is a huge rugby fan. I'm not. Definitely a big football fan. And Manchester United has definitely been the team since I was a young girl that I've been rooting for. So the Reds, the the Mancunian accent, it's it's all about that. So I know you're probably not a fan of this particular athlete per se, but maybe you are now that you're like finding your roots more in the Miami area. But what do you think about Messi going to the <laughs> Miami like major league? I mean, team? I'm you know, it's hard to it's hard to give any criticism to Messi. He is, you know, in my view, the greatest player of all time. And I have a lot of respect for the man. I just think that he's humble. He's an incredible player. And, you know, he's just got hustle ever since he was a kid. And so you look at his story and it's hard to, at this age, look at his decisions and think think badly of his choices. He's done right this far. So, and how can I, you know, go to Miami? I would go to Miami. The, it's, the weather's so much better than, you know, especially here anyway. So good on him. Enjoy Miami. Plus, it's beautiful, you know, like the weather's good, but it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, a little hidden. For sure. I think I think it's a little hidden gem out there, but that's for sure. All right. So let's dive into this. I would love for you to give us a little bit of context on Zuvu. Tell us a little bit about them, what you guys do and what it's about. Totally. So Zuvu is an AI discovery platform. And our goal is really to connect your end customers to the products that they need in the fastest way. So we integrate agnostically into any e-commerce platform. And really, our goal is to supercharge your conversions for D2C brands and B2B brands. Love it. You guys don't generate the content, right? No, and no, we don't. So this is what's also interesting. We don't generate the content, but what we do is we aggregate all of the content from your sources. So it could be CMS systems. It could be PIM systems. You know, it could be any form of portals where you store PDFs and things like this that hold the data around your products. And we'll aggregate all of that into our platform. And the beauty of what Zuvu does is it transforms it and humanizes it into a structured foundation set that can be used for human-like conversations. Mm, I kind of want to use that. Do you guys offer it for B2B? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, funny you say that. So historically, I mean, we've been around since, God, you know, 2007. We rebranded in 2017. And we just secured our Series C funding last year. But actually, historically, B2C was our focus. So I'd say 60% mm-hmm. of our customer base was B2C. We worked with Amazon, Dyson, all of like the big ones. And actually, over the last year and a half, we developed a really strong partnership with SAP, who are the market leaders in B2B. And what we identified is such a huge space for the B2B market and almost like a revolution that they're about to go through. Because you imagine you want to buy, let's just say, electrical components. You have to be on the phone to your sales rep for 90 minutes because they're the only ones that have the knowledge of all of the compatibility rules, all of the configurations. And then after the 90 minutes, cool, I'll send you your your quote and your invoice. But now with Zuvu, we can actually connect that backend CPQ where all of that configuration is stored, all of the compatibility rules, and we can expose it to the end customer on commerce and actually guide them through a series of questions to that end configuration. So really focused on the needs and like the job to be done. Love it. 
I, I think that's incredible. And I do think that there's a major use case for B2B for sure. Yeah, Today's huge. episode, we're definitely going to be focused on e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands because that's our primary listeners out there. Just so shout out to all of our listeners out there. Love you all. Thank you for following us. Let's talk about e-commerce engagement. How do some of the biggest D2C brands that have worked with you, how do they optimize their engagement? Because oftentimes e-commerce is thought of as like just this like big open thing, right? Hmm. That has so many components to it, but primarily it's meant to drive engagement. So yeah. let's talk about how you optimize it. So I think I'll start with just the fact that e-commerce today the way I see it is an index. It's a library of products and it's no more than that. And I think that people, brands, manufacturers, retailers, you know, some will think, well, we, we've got an e-commerce presence, that's enough. And it's not, you know, you need to be really thinking about your customers, number one, segmenting those customers too, and really making sure that you understand the personas of each and being able to guide each of them through their specific journey. Because we don't all shop in the same way. Like, I don't know, when you go to a website, do you go straight to the search bar, type in what you're looking for? Or do you kind of browse a little bit, navigate around the you know the category pages? Or are you like a, a deal hunter and you're like straight for the deals? So like there's I'm a, different... I'm a browser. I, I, are you a browser? I browse. Yeah. Right. And so with somebody like you, you are looking to discover. And the thing is, what we want to do is it needs to be a balance of discovery, but not kind of feeling this paralysis of choice. And so what we want to do is understand at what point a, a customer like you has intent to purchase. And at that point, it's okay, there's intent to discover a specific product and purchase something. We want to help this customer navigate them through, at which point we will power a conversation. So then we'll, we'll play it out. So one of our customers, and I'll do it through customer, Bosch, we all know Bosch Power Tools. I recently needed to renovate and I don't know which power tool the drill pieces go into brick walls or like, I don't, they're like MDF walls. I don't know, this is stereotypical. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know. So I would have to go into a store and ask the sales rep and be like, okay, look, these are, and I'd probably take pictures because this is the type of person I am here on my phone. This is the picture of this wall. This is the picture of this wall. Can you help me? Because I don't want to break anything. Which is the right drill and the piece for it? And we'd have a conversation. And, you know, within five minutes, you'd be like, I, you know, walk over to aisle nine and there it is. Now, there is no way currently of doing that or pre pre Zuvu of doing that on commerce you would have to go through the pages upon pages of different drills with no real understanding of which is the right one for you other than three millimeter drill. You know, like, oh, I don't know what that means. Does that mean it's right for the MDF walls or the brick walls? And so with Zubu, Bosch worked with us because they said, look, we know that our customers need help when they're online shopping for our products. We know that they're complex purchases and what we want to do is help them get to the right product for them. And here's the sweet spot. Once we get them to the right drill, we don't just help conversion. We can actually boost cart value because once you've had that trusted conversation and you get to the right product, wouldn't you absolutely purchase the associated compatible products that go with it rather than having to search for them all yourself or do tons of research to find out which is the right one? You would just buy the entire bundle. Mm -hmm. The recommended the re suggestion. Exactly. exactly. And so that's exactly what we do. And so... You know, D2C brands really recognize that their customers need support when purchasing on commerce. And I think that that's just the baseline. So commerce, 
foundation, like basic, basic level, then you want to be thinking about your composability strategy. So how can I use tools? How can I use strategies to help enhance this e-commerce experience for my customers and lead with customer centricity? And then taking it one step further, how do I create this connected customer experience that people talk about? Like, what is a connected customer experience? And that's really being able to understand that, you know, the brick and mortar stores and commerce, they are connected. And as much as we want to separate them, there is a way to harmoniously work together to ensure that ultimately the brand succeeds at the end. So this brings up a, a thought of mine, and I wasn't planning on asking you about this, but now I'm kind of curious. There are there are these new kind of tools, like I think of Shop AI, like Shopify's new like shopping assistant kind of thing. I think of augmented reality. I think of virtual reality. And the experience that you have going into a store and trying to find, like to, to your point, taking pictures of the walls and which ones work for what. I'm curious on your perspective on what the future of that looks like. And do you think it's going to, I personally believe that you're going to see more of those experiences, right? Especially with 100%. complex, especially with complex products that require a lot more intervention in them, a lot more visual representation on will mm -hmm. this work with this product. I think we're going to see more of that, but I'd love to see, hear your thoughts on what does the future of that look like? Do you think that there is a place for VR and AR? And do you think brands, especially DTC brands, need to be investing in those areas more? Well, I can give you two examples and I, I won't give you war and peace, but I'll, ke I'll keep it like succinct. So like laptops. Now, even though I work in tech and I've worked in tech for uh, like digital transformation for over 10 years, you, you'd think by now I should know what RAM or how much RAM I would need for my laptop or how much CPU I would need. I don't. I just, I don't. So and it's probably a choice that I choose not to know these things. But even now when I need to buy a new laptop online, I still feel overwhelmed by the choices that exist from HP to Lenovo to Dell to Microsoft to all of the different brands that exist, which is the right one for me. And so Microsoft, one of our customers, again, understood that problem. And they now create an incredible experience for their customers where we actually ask the right question. So am I using this for personal school or work? You know, what do I like to do with the laptop? I like to blog. I like to store everything on my laptop because I'm a weirdo and I travel a lot. And so with those, you know, real human needs, you can direct me to the right laptop for me. But guess what? Even when you're showing me that laptop there on the page, I'm still... Mm, I need to feel it. I want to make sure that I can carry it. I'm a small girl and I, you know, I want to make sure when I'm traveling that it really is as light as you say it is. I'm just one of those customers that perhaps needs a little bit more to make me convert. And so the incredible thing that Microsoft did is create the connected customer experience by generating a QR code at the end of that experience so that the user could then identify the closest store in their area that had it in stocks so that you could go feel it out, play with it, hold it, and then purchase. And I think that to your point of experiences, whether they are just pure experience stores or whether they're a bit of a blend of both where you can kind of have the early funnel, upper funnel happening on commerce and they drive you to the store, I think there is so much room for both and it's going to be huge coming into 2024 and 25 where I feel like the brands are starting to pick up on let's just take away kind of this boring element of the store and let's turn it into an experience. Dyson do it incredibly well. And, you know, they're also the reason I now have an air app because 
quite honestly, I wouldn't have bought that air app just online. I really had to feel it online. I was playing, like looking at it for a little while, really understanding that it was the right one for me. And then went in store, played it out, tried it on my hair and I purchased. I love what you just said. I think you're spot on. And I think that we're going to see way more of it in the future. I, I do, however, want to point out one thing that you said, which I also completely agree with. And that's, and that's the hybrid experience, which I think more and more, I think the more that AI gets introduced to the world, the more that we're going to crave more human experience too. I think that's mm -hmm. natural in this evolution. Yeah. Obviously we need AI and we're going to dive into that in a little bit, but the hybrid experience of, you know, just being able to feel something in your hands and same, same thing goes for like clothing as well. Like you have these, you have these like virtual size charts and things like that now where like you can literally like take a picture of your body and like it will fit on there. Right. But it doesn't, it's not the same <laughs> virtually. Yeah. And we have to yeah. realize that as brands that are, that have these type of products, right. Is hmm. there, there will always be a crave for the physical side of things where we actually go in and we experience it ourselves in person. So I love the fact that you pointed that out. I think also just to piggyback off that was that the for D2C, I think it's a huge opportunity. I think for B2B, and so one of the things that I love about what Zuvu does is that, you know, you're trying to imagine buying, like trying to procure a fireman's helmet. They're not, you know, the easiest things to purchase. And also, again, they have lots of compatibilities, lots of compliance rules associated with, you know, what type of smoke might I be going into? Is it gas or, you know, whatever it is. And you know, they're, they're saving lives. So we need to be making sure that they're getting the right configuration. And so a lot of what we now want to be able to do and service the people who are procuring these items is actually the visual representation. And so with our visual configurators, you can actually now do 3D kind of turning around and that augmented visual to be able to really see how the product will work, how the mask will flip down, how that connects to kind of the, the oxygen in the back. And I think it's just really powerful also to the next generation of people that are going to come in to take those seats because I think it's a really kind of a... Uh, an area that people are, I guess, not wanting to think about at the moment, which is the next generation of workers are going to come in expecting a whole new way of working and a whole new way of, you know, being able to sell or do their job. And they're not going to have the 12 plus years of experience that these guys have had sitting in that seat for however long. And so we've got to ensure that we're future proofing these businesses and ensuring that they're set up for success for the next 10 to 15 years. And the only way we're going to do that is digitizing their sales process to ensure that when these companies are being asked to do more with less, you know, the we still need profits. We still need, you know, how, however much target we need this year, but you can't hire more salespeople. Well, how are we supposed to do that? That's where Zubu comes in. Yeah, I think being in B2B for as long as I have been, like the sales process is still fundamentally broken there. Like they make it, almost every company makes it incredibly hard to buy. Like, yeah, there's they put up friction points on purpose, by the way. <laughs> and, and it's wild to me. All right. So I want to come back to the question, the original question that I asked you about engagement, because I want to ask a follow up there. And one of the follow-ups that I have for you is like, what challenges are people running into by creating high engagement platforms and high engagement e-commerce? And what would 
you say to them to try to prevent them from having those challenges? I think that the challenge is, you know, it's, it comes with the concept of being agile. And in the world that we live in today, I think we all love to say that we're part of digital transformation, that we're all engaging in some form of digital transformation. But that's not a destination. It's a journey and it's ongoing. And so what we, you know, we consult with our customers. We treat them as partners because this is a journey that we're going on together. For example, you don't just purchase Zuvu and, and you know, you get the license and off you go. We want to work together to test and learn to make sure that we're constantly optimizing that experience for your customers because that's what it's about at the end of the day. And I think that a lot of organizations who do want to truly engage who say that they're innovative and also action on it are the ones that will put resources behind making this successful and then continuously learning and continuously saying, how can we be doing this better? Let's work together. Let's workshop this out. We recognized over the last eight weeks in, in the analytics and the insights of the behavior of these digital conversations that they weren't working so well. And the beauty of what Zuvu can do, I won't jump to, to AI, but with our AI that's you know applied in our platform, we will recommend how to change those digital conversations that will optimize them for a conversion. And you know, it's just it's a lot people ask, oh, you know, another AI solution. So how does AI really work in your platform? And you know, I don't know if they're expecting me to pull out iRobot. I don't know what they're hoping for, but really. My advice to anybody that is thinking about working with a company that says they are AI is ask about how the AI is applied in that technology or solution. And if it can't give you an answer, you, you, you kind of know. But we weave our AI and apply it throughout the end-to-end -end journey. And, you know, like I say, one of the most powerful things that we do is be able to highlight, target, and identify when conversations aren't performing and recommend a conversation that would perform based on the data and the aggregated knowledge that we've had for how many people have gone through that same experience. I can't agree more than asking that question, by the way, to vendors, because it is driving me wild. Like, you know, this, especially with this AI revolution, like if you really work at an AI company, like we both do, right. It it's kind of driving all of us nuts that like every company in the world is saying, Oh yeah, we do AI. Like we're, yeah. we're an AI company. No, not, that's not true. Like, there's components of your product and service that you're that you might be using bits and pieces of AI. And like I had this big argument with some of the biggest B2B tech minds in the world, actually, like the CEO of HubSpot and the CEO of Gainsight. Wow. Like, and they were all like jumping on this bandwagon of like every company is gonna be an AI company. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that I'm yeah. sorry, but that is just not true. Every company will have components of AI and they will use it. And I will stand on this, this hill and I will stand firm on it because it, the fact is, is like, if you're developing your products and you're leveraging AI, like you didn't start as an AI company, like right. you're, you're becoming like where you're leveraging it more. And I think more people will, will use it. And again, we're going to dive into AI some more. Actually, maybe we'll just do that right now. Let's just do it right now. Why the heck not? It makes sense. Yeah, why not? So talk to me a little bit about the impact of AI that you think is going to have on e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands now and in the future. So I think that, I mean, first and foremost, it's an incredibly exciting time. You know, 
I think there's a lot of fear out there around, oh God, what is generative AI? What is chat GPT going to do? We're all going to lose our jobs and, you know, robots going to take over. And and I just don't believe that that is true. I think that, you know, the people that are understanding how to use AI and apply it to their companies are the ones that are going to succeed. Because I think AI plus human is the recipe for success. I think in 10 years time, if you don't, if you're not using AI as part or, you know, as some of the parts in your technology, in your business, you know, I, th I think that you will unfortunately fall behind and fail. And so I think it's about making sure that you're using the right parts of AI in your, in your business, in your platform, whether it's to automate things, augment things, and there's great use cases for it. But it's really about understanding that hu the human intelligence side isn't going away. And AI is only going to get better through human intelligence. And so it's about reframing how we think about it. Yes, some jobs probably will change. But I don't think that's a negative thing. I actually think it's a good thing. You know, jury's out still kind of on, you know, from, from my perspective, I think that this, we're still in the infancy of it. AI has been around for a long time, but I do think that it would be foolish to put all of the eggs in the basket now of AI in the sense of recommendations as it pertains to products or services that impact life or that impact, you know, things, things where there's high compliance in play. So the reason I say this is think about, I, I see especially ChatGPT generative AI in this way. When you hire a new salesperson, they're an intern practically. They have to go through onboarding, rigorous, rigorous. It might be a six-week boot camp. And even then after that point, they might just be a sales associate. But it's going to take them years of qualification to get to manager level or the expert level or the SME of that specific area. And that is what we're currently doing by engaging with AI and engaging with ChatGPT and generative AI. We're helping it learn by giving it the information that we have. We're asking the questions for it to learn, to keep learning. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. I think it's incredible. You know, and so to, to answer your question, I think that there is a huge future for AI as it pertains to, you know, tech and, and business. And I think that who, you know, we just need to figure out how we frame our thoughts around it because jobs will change. But I don't think that's a negative thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and just for the record, like if you really think about it, um, as a matter of fact, I'll give you a, give you an example. The other day I was talking to a gentleman who was, he, he's 85 years old and I was talking to him about AI and he had some really great thoughts on it. And I was surprised because typically I think that older generation is a little bit less inclined to adopt it, of course. but he had a different perspective and he, mm. he said it kind of like this and I'm going to summarize cause I'm not, I'm not going to get it perfect, but he's like, we've gone through, you know, revolutions with many things in the past. And if you think about it, he started by saying like, think about the invention of the automobile, like what everybody changed the way that they worked, jobs changed, right? And then, oh, the industrial revolution, like how we now trade goods changed, jobs changed. Then he went through and said, oh, well, then the internet, the dot-com revolution, 
<laughs> you don't think that changed jobs? Well, I got news for you. It definitely did, right? Now, salespeople no longer have the Rolodex that they write on. Now they actually are in the software like Salesforce and things like that. Yeah. So jobs change. And by the way, through each one of these revolutions, absolutely jobs also went away. But it's the evolution of, of our intelligence. It's the evolution of who we are as humans. And we always find a way to have room for people. And ultimately, even some technology that has come out in the past, probably technology that's going to come out in the future, is oftentimes going to fail if we don't involve the human. And guess what's going to happen? We're going to have to come back to the human side and reinvent it. There'll be another revolution that will happen. And who knows what that will be in the future. But I, I, I guarantee you that this is not the first time that no matter how old or young you are, I promise you, you've at least seen two of these revolutions. For sure. I, I mean, who is this guy? You should be getting him on your podcast. I mean, he sounds like his voice needs to be heard. <laughs> He's a neighbor of mine. So okay. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be up for it, but yeah. Like, I, I thought it was words of wisdom from somebody who's been there for, for with, sure. with tons of stuff. So, okay. So we've hit on AI. We've hit on some of the challenges that people have. We've hit on engagement. I actually want to also talk about like manufacturers because I think this is something that we don't talk enough about in e-commerce. So there's oftentimes an associated like large cost. It's almost like considered a little bit of a cost center working with manufacturers. And I'd like for you to talk about like how can brands reduce the overhead and really the customer service costs that go along with working with manufacturers. So I think what's going to be important is, you know, and I love the fact that you're asking the question because it's something that a lot of people skim over, you know, especially as it pertains to product information, because product information and the different sources of this cause unparalleled amounts of manual work and that equates to millions of dollars spent per year trying to keep all of these different systems in line, up to date. And then that's one brand. And now if you work with a manufacturer, you know, and let's just say we're working with lots of different brands, how do we ensure that we're cr creating some form of unified, unified source of data or unified way of communicating around the same thing? And so with, with Zuvu, it's something that we do, which is it's called our semantic studio within our platform. And it's really where we take all of these different sources and we can be taking it from multiple different brands. And the purpose of it is, is to say, we know that all of these different brands call, let's just say, and I, I take it back to the whole laptop example, they might be calling RAM something different in different brands. They might be titling it something different. But how can I aggregate all of that data and be able to use it for something meaningful if I don't know how to collect it from all of the different brands? And so Zuvu, through our Context and Semantic Studio, will be able to aggregate it, highlight, you know, all of the different variants of the same thing and then unify it so that we can actually use it for a more intelligent conversation. And so I think that being able to use technologies that can help drive cost efficiencies as it pertains to productivity is only going to help you in the years where we're now going to have to start thinking about future proofing. And future proofing is such a uh, buzzword, I feel like now, but it really is how am I going to take this organization through the next five to 10 years 
and think about this digitization in the era of AI. How are we going to ensure that this company is still around? And you've got to make sure that you're thinking about the different areas where you've got manual costs in play. Can those be augmented? Is there automation that we can be doing? And it's not to say that we want to completely get rid of jobs or put people out of jobs, but it's how can we use those humans to be doing things that drive more efficiencies? Because I can tell you that it absolutely is. Like if you, if I could tell you, that a team of 50 salespeople, I could be streaming off, you know, let's just say it's 90 hours, 90 hours per month to let them focus more on building the relationship rather than building quotes because they're now, have, they're not having to use their brain to pull out all of the different configurations, but they're actually working on the relationship. And there you go, you know, upsells in play, expanding those accounts are in play. Those are the types of things that people need to be thinking about. How can I focus my time on efficiencies and driving productivity? So, so I love what you just said because it, I don't really love to talk about flip too much on the show because that's not what we're here for. But we've been going on this journey the last 12 months, really, where we've been talking a lot about this, what you just said, and how like our products and other products help really do that, which they position agents, they position people that are on the front line to be much more relationship driven and to handle the more complex issues that automations and AIs can't handle. And I think we're seeing a slight shift happen, especially for us right now, we're seeing this, and this is part of some of the innovation that's happened, I think, with AI, is now companies are, like ones like us are positioned in such a way that we're, we're actually helping them grow as well, mm. grow as an organization, like build an acquisition model that's like deeper than ever, ever before and have these touch points that create engagements to the beginning of the podcast, like we were talking about. And one of the things that I, I really love is, is just the evolution of that and the innovation that's happening there, because it is absolutely true that you, like one thing that drives me nuts, just piggybacking on this like manufacturing situation is like you could this happens a lot on amazon by the way you you buy a product you think you're going to get the support of amazon and their agents right so you reach out and then they redirect you to the manufacturer <laughs> and oh my goodness it drives me bonkers like i cannot stand it right because a lot oftentimes the the rules that you think you're getting in the descriptions and stuff like that that Amazon is providing are completely different than what the manufacturer is saying that they can do and provide. Even return policies, cancellations, all those things, right, are oftentimes very different. So mm -hmm. this is an example of how, like, making sure that companies that can provide an acquisition model, that can provide ways in which you can automate and streamline, make them more efficient so the agents and, and sales, sales folks can focus on the things that really do matter, which is building the relationship. And like I just did a LinkedIn post today and one of, one of the, the ideas behind it was, you know, we oftentimes think about customer experiences, all these really complex things, but really it comes down mm. to one thing. And that's that your job is to create emotion and positive emotion. And yes. if you can create positive emotion in, in any way, then it has, an, it has a positive ripple effect across every component of the customer experience that you can imagine. For and sure. We, 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 we overcomplicate it and we don't need to. Yeah. It's the simple things that oftentimes make the biggest impact. I could not agree with you more. We, you know, people buy from people. 
and we all need to be storytellers. And if you're not storytelling, you're missing a trick. I agree. All right. Now we're to some of our listeners' favorite segment, which is FMK. All right, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's something sexy right now in e-commerce? Zuvu. <laughs> I like it. All right. What, what's what been around a long time and it's not going anywhere? You had a ring on it and it's not it's staying there. E-commerce. Like we are here for the long haul. We're going on the journey. E-commerce platform is the foundation. It's the house. Let's just make sure we've got, you know, good brick and foundation. All right. I like it. Okay. And what would you kill like yesterday? Anyone that is asking me to put in my details to purchase something online, get rid of it. Like I need fast payments. If there is no fast payment, I've, I'm gone. I, I need sp speed. I have never heard anybody say that one. That's a good one. See, mine, mine stays the same. I, <laughs> I just want a streamlined experience. And for people to provide channels when I'm not working. Like Ooh. provide availability when I'm not working. That's what I want to see killed. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why, but the very premise of brands doing that mm. goes against everything that you think you stand for by saying you put the customer first. And I'll give yes. you an example. Most of us work a nine to five. Yeah. And if you're an executive like myself, you're probably working way longer than that. So I reach out to you in a channel and you hit me up and say, we'll get back to you in 24 hours. You get back to me when I'm working and expect me to respond when I'm working. But then you don't provide a channel when I'm not working to reach you because now you're not open. It is the most, I think it's the most fundamental thing that is broken with customer service across, by the way, all channels. It is not yes. channel agnostic. It is across all channels. If you're listening, just maybe, just maybe provide options for people when they're actually not working. And if you don't know how to do that, just try asking some of the vendors you work with. I can guarantee you, if you do that, there's more solutions out there than you might think. And they're not really complicated solutions. That's my big kill. I could not agree with you more because that concept of sitting and listening to that music whenever I'm on hold for something in literally the 10 minutes that I've got spare, it's the biggest bugbear because I know it, I, I know I'm not going to get the call answered. So when are you expecting me to communicate with you? And when are you as the brand hoping to build that relationship with me? Because you're not going to get my repeat custom. But however, if you did answer that call and we had a great relationship, I could, you could put money on the fact that I'd be purchasing from you kind of the next time. So you make such a good point. And I think from a customer retention standpoint, support and customer support is pivotal. And by the way, like, let's use you and I's time zones for an example. Like, what if you have a brand and that brand has contact center operations and their hours are, you know, let's say nine to seven Eastern time. Mm. Like, <laughs> you do realize the time difference that's happening across the world. And if you have customers across the world, which, by the way, most brands really only have like a U.S. operation timeline, which means the rest of the world is not getting served yep. 
not even near as much. So like just that alone should be, should be enough for you to like invest in those areas. Anyway, this was not my kill. This was supposed to be yours. I, I just. No, but I, I also think that to, to that point, there's like a, almost like a level one, level two, level three solution. Like, and for companies that are thinking about, oh, how can I use AI or how can I apply AI so that I can say that it's weaved in in some way, support is probably the best way to even start looking at a level one way to augment those things. Because if you can triage some of your customers into the easy solutions that you know are available through FAQs or whatever it is, do that. Then you have like your level two support where you're probably going to need human interaction. And level three is like, you know, the top 10% where you're going to really need a long conversation. There's probably big action required or whatever. But you should be thinking about support in that way. And as you say, there's definitely ways to kind of segment that and at least get quick wins in for customers that, that just want to feel heard and seen. I agree. And the people are... By the way, I don't want to like say no one's doing this because there are people that are doing this. They provide the chat bots. They provide the voice AI after hours, those things for self-serve options are fantastic. And to your point, there are levels of the service that then need to be provided for those that, or that can't be. Anyway, Lamise, you've been awesome. Thank you for joining the show. Where can people connect with you? I mean, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. I'm super, super active over there. So my full name, Lamise Burt, or hit us up at zuvu.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, do so every single week. We have awesome shows just like this. Sometimes we do a little bit longer segment. Sometimes we do a shorter one, but you'll always find value no matter what. Thanks for joining us. Spamming Zero.